Hey guys, it's Mom Tourage, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Guys, we've got a great show today. We're on episode three already. Three, can you believe three. it? Three. And we are welcoming our very first guest. Yep. Today we are chatting with Emily Tish Sussman, a Democratic political strategist. And you've seen her on MSNBC, Fox News, CNN. Not to mention she's also the host of the podcast, Your Primary Playlist. She's so awesome. And she literally went into labor after the interview. Yes, yes. <laughs> which is amazing. Up what a hero. Third kid. Yes. So congratulations, Emily. By the time this airs, you will have been a brand new mama. Maybe for like a few weeks. Yeah, get it, girl. You know your baby now. Plus, we have our hashtag swag bag picks for the week. Stay tuned, though, because first up, the tits and, and the, the shits. Okay, Carrie, so the tits and the shits, our yes. favorite. It's our highs and lows of the week. And usually I feel like there's 20 of them all in a row, which makes me feel crazy because I'm like, hi, low, hi, low, hi, low. Oh, yeah, life is a roller coaster. <laughs> I feel like I have been on a crazy roller coaster ride lately. You and really I really have. I'm just like, can you hear it in my voice? No, I'm but just I can like, see it in your oh. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you showed up a shell of a human today. <laughs> Honestly, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually concerned. Although, you know what? I did wake up this morning for the first time in days and go like, oh, wow, you actually look somewhat rested. Oh, That's good nice. job. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look at you. Also, I just laughed and there was such a deep wheeze that I sounded like I'm like a 20 a day smoker. Oh, really, it's just bronchitis. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Should I go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. So my tits is that last week, one of my good friends and students, she started out as a student now a friend, treated me out of nowhere. She was like, do you want to go see Oprah and Michelle Obama speak? And I was like, uh, yeah. So we went to the Barclays Center and we went for Oprah's 2020 vision tour. It mm. was super awesome. I have like a lot of great gems that I that I got from her. Because, you know, you know, here's the thing. Like my job is I do wellness. That's right. my other job. So it's not like I haven't heard all these things before. Of but course. somehow when Oprah says them, they land in a different way. She just has such an amazing way of speaking her story plus other known gems, weaving them together, and it feels like it's really hitting you. Anyway, so she had some gems. Maybe I'll share some of them on the podcast. I but think you should. Now? Um, I think they're, they're one, you said one that really lingered with me, and it was the, the one of like the secret to her success. There were two. Okay. Um, so let me inform you of what you told me. Perfect. Um, perfect. And then I'll give you the exact quote because I'm pulling it up. Okay. The first one was that the secret to her success was always appreciating what she had, always being grateful for what she had at that time. Oh, she didn't say that. Oh. But she said something similar to that. <laughs> I mean, I think you should also be grateful for what you have. I love that I took this this Oprah lesson away from a thing I, A, was not at, and B, she never said. But I like, but you know what? You heard what you needed to hear, Apparently. which is you need to be grateful, Ashley, for where you're at right now. And I do. That is actually very um, appropriate. And now tell me... Well, the other thing was, and then I'll tell you what she actually said. The other one was that the, the other secret to her success was that she makes people really feel like they're she's listening to them. That is. That is true. Okay. So one of the things she you. <laughs> that was right. One of the things she said is you have to know what you want to claim what you want. And that before you do anything, you should ask, 
why? Like, what is the why behind? That was your big one. Why I'm doing it. And if you can't find the why, you shouldn't be doing it. Her whole thing was that there's a flow to your life and you need to stay in your flow and stop butting into other people's flow. And that just like water, sometimes there's like little swirls in the water and that's when you come up against, you know, stress or opposition or whatever. And you have to learn how to go with the swirl instead of fighting against it. Go with the swirl sounds so disgusting. I don't know why I just like retched in my mouth. It just sounds like a poop comment. I know. (laughs) But she just meant you have to like not butt against it. Just continue to go with it and stay in your flow. And that if you can't find the why of why you should do something, then it's probably not in your flow. It's Hmm. probably somebody else's flow. I love she said, sometimes you're managing when you should be consulting. It's like when you're butting in other people's business, try to, you just should just be consulting instead of managing. Yeah. That one's kind of, I don't know. That's I, a good I really one. like that one. That's a good one for control freaks out there like me. Exactly. Um, maybe the one where you like just bastardized it was you said, how many times are you doing something, but you're not really doing it? No. No, know. you told me. The best me. gift you can give to your children is be present with your child. N- no. Well, that super nanny told me that too. <laughs> you no, you told me that she was grateful for what she had at every like, Oh, at it was this. Stage. Okay. It was this. It was this. She said, what has happened to you has also happened for you. And that... Yeah, maybe in the explanation yes, where it took She was away. talking about a, a situation with her mother where she said, I didn't get the mother that I needed. And I often thought... I wanted a different mother, but I got the mother that made me become Oprah. So I have to be grateful for all of that because I wouldn't be. For people out there with mommy issues, that's a real big one. Oprah had a huge problem with her mom. Yeah. And she's now okay with it because she wouldn't. Because she's Oprah. She wouldn't be driven like she is today if she wasn't for that. Anyway, and then the other thing said is that how she became a billionaire was that she really validated people and heard them where they are at that very moment. And because all people want to know is, do you hear me? Do you see me? Did what I say mean anything to you? Yeah. So if you want to be a billionaire, I guess that's I mean, I simple, do. Who doesn't? simple thing. You know, Ashley, I see you. I hear you. Thank you. Do and you see I my validate. eye twitching? I do see your eye twitching. Can you actually see it? Yes. Fuck. So that's my tits. It was a pretty big tits. Well, what about your shit? Oh, my... My shits, I'm going to call hashtag vag bag, which is that my daughter's been sick for like three weeks. Like the last time I recorded, I talked about how she was yeah. sick. So they thought maybe she had a UTI because it's been going on for so long. She how do fever. babies get UTIs? Well, girls do because of the poop in the vagina. Oh, and also, diaper. We, yeah. And also we were on vacation in public pools in the oceans, so like maybe bacteria or whatever. Evidently when girls have high fevers for that long for no other reason, oftentimes it's a UTI. Wow. So they're like, can you try to catch urine in a container? Well, try doing that to a kid that's not even really potty trained. Yeah. Forget it. She yeah. was like, no. Then... They're like, we'll have to catheterize her. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Is there another option? They're like, well, you could come to the doctor's office. We can tape a bag on her vagina. And then you have to sit there and wait until she pees in it because we have to get the urine like immediately after it comes out of the bag. So they have like a thing that's like sticky adhesive. That girl... It took her five hours because oh she God. normally she would be giving her water tons, and tons, water, popsicles, everything. And she was drinking, drinking, she drinking. Was like, no, I'm she not. She was like, I'm not doing thing. in this in this bed. We had to do a shift. I had Lee had to take a shift because I had to leave to go to work. Then I came back from work. She still hadn't gone. And then finally, when the both of us were there together at the same time, Lee and me, she peed. Then they pulled off the bag and it pulled her vagina skin like a bikini wax and it cut oh. her and she started bleeding. Oh. Poor thing. She's kind of traumatized. She hasn't peed in the potty. She had been, you know, 
like getting Almost close to there. Yeah. yeah, she hasn't gone since. She's been like so traumatized. I'm traumatized from it. But I, as she's pulling it off, um, the doctor, I'm like, Luna, it's your first bikini wax, and it's like ripped her. It was so Ugh. sad. Anyway, so that's my that's my shits. Well, I'm my sorry. poor little daughter's vagina skin. Yeah. Oh, and she was like, thing. oh, oh, <laughs> so thing. sad. Poor thing. How about you? Did you have some vagina issues? No, I have not had vagina issues, thankfully. Um, so the tits are, I guess both my tits. Both your tits, both the left tits. and the right? <laughs> both of my tits and my shits kind of have to do with this. So I'm working on a project right now on a, a reality competition show. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely killing me. Like it's <laughs> on one hand, it's like, you know, I started in production many years ago in live TV, and I I love the and energy. And you love reality. And I love reality. And I just, like, love the energy of working on something like this. Now that I'm not 20, <laughs> which is when I started in daytime television, now that I'm 34, I'm like, maybe this energy is actually going to kill me. <laughs> like, actually may kill me. But anyway, so both of them are about this. So um, I think the tits are my... Parents and my in-laws have both really been picking up the slack of my slack with Sebastian. And it's, I don't mean to sound sappy, but I'm just like so grateful Mm. for it. And, you know, it's really nice to feel like you have the support system and my son is so loved and he's so happy being with them. I feel so lucky that I don't have to I don't have to do the babysitter thing. He does go to daycare a couple of days a week and I, I even and feel he loves lucky it. about yeah. yeah, I even feel lucky about that. They love him. He leaves school every day and gives him a hug and a kiss, you know, like yeah. it's it's a great situation. It's the mo- it's the best the situation could be. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. Yes. Oprah taught you that. Oprah taught me that. <laughs> she did. She taught me to be grateful. My shits are... You're working on a reality oh television show. Yeah. Aside from that, I had a moment before things really hit the fan where, you know, I feel like moms get this more than anybody else. So you like have anxiety, you're stressed out, you have so much, everything just keeps piling, piling, piling. And then on top of it, you have your kid just like incessantly saying like, mommy, 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 for whatever, mommy, I want this, mommy, I want that, or like not cooperating. And you just get to that point where you're like, oh my God, my insides are just going to explode. I was going to say, my brain feels like yes, time bomb. Yes. Like literally something is just going to explode in my body. I can't do this anymore. So I just like walked away. I didn't say anything. I just walked away from Sebastian and went into the bathroom and thought I locked the door and stood there and just like cried a little bit. Yeah, and he, just let out the valve yeah, of the tension. Yeah, just like, like opened it, like just to let a little pressure out. And I turn around and Sebastian's in the bathroom like, hi, mom. I'm like, Jesus, I can't even lock the door properly. I can't even escape correctly. It's sort of funny. Like I can just imagine a whole like Saturday Night Live skit. You just go different places and Sebastian just pops out and goes, hi, mom. Yeah, <laughs> the that's most what ridiculous. it's like. You put on your pants, he pops out of your pants. Hi, mom. That's what it's like. And then God forbid I want him to do anything. <laughs> it's not going to happen. No. But I better be there. How did he react when he saw you crying? Oh, fine. He, it's He's <laughs> firstly... <laughs> He is not a stranger to seeing mommy emote. (laughs) I don't believe that we should hide these things from our kids. I don't think so either. Uh, Especially being the mother of a boy, and I talk about this a lot, I'm very concerned about him feeling safe 
feeling emotions. So I'm okay with it. You know, like he's even seen Matt and I argue and mm-hmm. Matt gets really upset that he's seeing it. But if he sees us, he sees us make up as well. Right. So as long as he's seeing all of that. Then he knows what a realistic relationship is right. like. Right. And I also think like he needs to know that people feel things in life. And that doesn't mean that anyone did anything wrong or that anyone... Like, it doesn't have to be an issue. It can be just okay to feel things and and emote. Yeah. So. um, Luna's really ever saw me cry, cry, like, once when my grandmother died. And I cried. And she, like, didn't really know what to do with it because it was the first time she saw me cry like that. She, like, came up and she, like, grabbed my face and was just, like, looking at my face. It was so cute. Yeah. It's okay. He saw me cry this morning and he he goes, I saw we mommy. And I was like, no, no, (laughs) no, no. It's not you. He's in a weird phase also right now where he's saying sorry for everything. Like, like if I bump him and I say, oh, I'm sorry, Sabby. He goes, I saw we mommy. And I'm and I'm trying to teach him like you don't say sorry for everything. Yeah. Like it is good to be conscious of other people, but you don't that is not your burden to bear either. So he doesn't turn into a millennial girl being like, sorry, sorry. Well sorry, sorry. I do that. Yeah. Like I I make myself responsible for so many things that happen that aren't my responsibility. Kids are just such a mind fuck. It's like everything is overanalyzed because I just want to do better. And it's great on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm so tired. (laughs) I'm so tired. (laughs) I just want to go to sleep and not be responsible for like a week. I know. Do you remember when you were younger and you could just sleep in for as long as you wanted and there wasn't something that wasn't going to get handled? When I lived in L.A., like the entire time I lived in LA, I woke up at like one in the afternoon. Me too. I didn't call my mom till like her workday was over and be like, "Good morning." I remember telling this one ex boyfriend not to bother me before eleven. Yes, and he was like, "What?" He was much older than me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't. My day starts at 11. and he was like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can't. I'm sorry, you can't. It's eleven." And then I used to say, "I'm like a puppy. When I get up, I go hard, so I also need to go to bed at eight. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, it did not work out for us. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. My office hours are 11 to 8. Thank you. My office hours are 11 to 2. Exactly. It's all you get. Oh, the days. Anyway. Anyway, hang out. Emily Tish Sussman is coming up next. She definitely does not sleep until noon. No. <laughs> Tish good. All right, everybody. So today we have our first guest. That's right, number one. She's our first member of the Mom Tourage, so, so it's welcome. no longer just us. Please welcome Emily Tish Sussman on the show. Emily is a leading Democratic political strategist who you've seen on MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN, and the host of the podcast, Your Primary Playlist, The Definitive Guide to the 2020 Presidential Primary, explained by the women who know it best. Also, Emily... Thank you so much for coming. You were just telling us you're going to give birth today. Yeah, yeah, today. <laughs> Today's the day. Guys, you're here with a woman on the verge. <laughs> exactly. We multitask, right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and it's your second one, so so there's a foot hanging out or something already. Exactly. Well, it's actually my third, so maybe by wow. the end of the podcast even. I oh, mean, my God. We will talk you through the breathing. Thank you. If <laughs> if it comes out in the, in the course of this interview, can you name it Momtourage? <laughs> Look, we're open for taking names. Okay, okay great. We recommended that we call it primary. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I love that. Yes, I actually heard that the other day, and I was laughing really hard. Honestly, my entire motherhood journey, experience, whatever it is, is like totally intertwined with Trump's election because it's all been 
at the exact same time. So I was in my first trimester with my first baby in at the Iowa caucus in 2016. Wow. I was like puking under the table. For so many reasons. And the only thing that I can remember when I think about the Iowa caucus, I think about basically like lying in a dark room with pizza like next to me <laughs> in bed. That's so funny. That's my you almost every day. <laughs> I mean, that was like the entire campaign for me. I ended up not working on the election because I was pregnant wow. and having the baby in the middle of it. So I stayed at my job, which was outside um, at the Democratic-leaning think tank. And had so I was at the convention in 2016. I saw Hillary Clinton take the nomination. And then five days later, I was on CNN. Um, and that evening, I went into labor. Wow. So you have a long history of appearance, <laughs> then labor. Yeah. Exactly. We're really trying to keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> but so I was out on maternity leave for the entire fall, which meant that I could spend even more time than I generally did on TV commenting about the election because right. I, was, I wasn't in my day job at the same time. So I was a surrogate for the for the general election campaign, for Hillary Clinton's campaign. So I was on TV all the time. Wow. I was breastfeeding in the green room. I pumped at the debates. And then my first day back from maternity leave was the Monday after the election. Wow. wow. So I went back to work and everybody is like in shock. Yeah, crying. A lot, a lot of crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you I know, like, often, hey, I'm ready to prove myself. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to prove that I'm a mom who can work at the same time. I was going to say a lot of um, women that I talk to, you know, when they're when they their first day back from maternity leave, they cry. So you were in good company. You like <laughs> other people were crying. It would no one would have known the difference whether you did or not. Exactly. I probably cried least of anybody. In that <laughs> My God. So for those of our listeners who may not know, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you went into a little bit. Just break it down some more for people because I think you are so fascinating and everything that you've done is pretty remarkable, especially considering you're about to have your third kid. So it's you're you're a, it would be a phenomenal without with. any children. Yes. But we all know how hard it is to manage exactly. everything. What an intro. Can I take you guys with me everywhere I Please go? Please yes, we're very portable. <laughs> this is why we're the momtourage. Exactly. <laughs> I love a momtourage. <laughs> um, so I've been working in politics and campaigns and federal legislation for about the last 15 years. Um, I'm a lawyer by training. I worked on the Obama campaign, and then I worked in Washington trying to pass federal legislation and run issue campaigns, basically just to make a better world, like to make a more, a more equitable world. So uh, I was the lead lobbyist on the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and I worked at the Pentagon on implementation after that. Um, wow. I ran the Young Democrats of America for Obama's re-election campaign in 2012. Uh, and then I spent about the, la- the last about six and a half years at the largest Democratic think tank, the Center for American Progress, running issue campaigns there. But so, you know, moving from team to team was really, it was interesting. It was fast paced. Um, I loved it. And I still do it, but to a, in a different in a different way. I mean, my job was so different under the Obama administration. The White House would often like outsource campaigns to me that they didn't have capacity for. And then the minute that Trump was elected, our jobs no one knew what our jobs were. Like yeah. no one knew what we were supposed to be doing. I mean, I think that's so, across the board, not just yeah. You. I think that can apply. Yeah. That's like a yeah. really evergreen statement. Yeah. <laughs> but so it was figuring out like how do we like we had a lot of capacity. We had, we were a think tank. We had incredibly smart people who were very passionate about the issues and didn't know how to necessarily plug in with where the energy was. Mm-hmm. 
So then that became my job post-Trump election is trying to figure out how do we utilize all of this capacity that we have to help fuel the people who are really willing to change their lives to do, you know, to, to run for office, to help support people running for office, to advocate on issues. So how did we how do we utilize the capacity that we had? So how do you think motherhood has changed your political activism? It's changed it quite a bit. I mean, my job, so I had been the first uh, person, a campaign expert at the think tank. So I had really created the job and I created it to really suit my strengths. Mm -hmm. And part of that is just diving headfirst into anything and really believing that I could outwork the opposition. And sometimes you really can outwork the opposition. Mm -hmm. It also meant that I had a hand in everything because I can handle like a very frenetic environment. But then once I had kids, that piece of my brain was being used. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have as much real estate to be managing multiple things in my head at the same time. And so I really had to pare down and focus what I was working on to be effective in it. It also meant that the hours under the Trump administration just no longer worked for me, that they released a lot of things Friday nights. They released a lot of things on Sunday. And those were not times that I had childcare. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on conference calls, I was working, and it just, it it didn't work. It didn't work anymore, and it didn't make sense anymore. But I still felt like I had had something that was different. Like, I, I couldn't have envisioned this before I had kids, but I still had something to offer. And so I thought about, how do I do that? I mean, I started, when I left, I started consulting, and I took on too many consulting clients because I was trying to prove to I don't know who, like myself, I don't know, (laughs) I could do it. it. And then one day I was, I had this epiphany where I was sitting in the floor of my closet because that was the one place I could close my door without my kids fighting me for an entire day. Nice. Been there. (laughs) Totally. Hopefully you don't live in New York where the closets are very small. (laughs) (laughs) At the time I lived in Washington, we were better. Okay. (laughs) But I had been on the floor of the closet the entire day and I was like about to miss dinner. I was like, this is not working. Um, And so I started the podcast and the podcast really came from the idea that I had so many questions. My friends had so many questions, not just about who to support in the primary, but even what criteria to use. Yes, absolutely. We're moms, we're parents, we have limited time. And so there's only so much information that we can consume. And so we don't know if we should believe the thesis of the last article that we just wrote. Like I felt like at the beginning when we were working to create your primary playlist, a lot of the news analysis was, well, this candidate entered the race and their positions are in the mainstream or out of the mainstream. Yeah. But like, how is a regular person supposed to figure out if their views align within the mainstream or out of the mainstream? They don't. It's, it's, yeah. Right. And especially with the gajillion people who uh, initially are, are running in the primaries, you know, like it, I know people are slowly dropping out, but, uh, and their hot topics tend to flip flop sometimes yes. as they, as it goes on, you know, as they see what's happening and they'll, they'll sometimes do a little flippy floppy or, or, you know, put a little switcheroo. Exactly. And like, are those switches significant? Yeah. Or are yeah. they actually basically saying the thing, but have changed the messaging? Like how is any regular person supposed to figure that out? Yeah. It's really interesting because um, you found podcasting to be kind of the savior around after you had the children and Ashley and I, the children, I don't know why I said it so formally, around the children. But Ashley and I, same thing. We found that once we became mothers, that this platform really worked for us. And as mothers, it's one of the few things that I can do. Like when I'm strolling my kid and they're sleeping, I can listen to a podcast when I'm driving. I just don't have the same bandwidth to do other things like I used to. And podcasts really have been my savior as a mother 
on so many ways, the creating of it and the listening to it. And it sounds like same thing for you. It's, it's interesting that that's a, a similar, similar. Story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I work with an all female production team and all of our guests are all women. Yeah, and, get and it. Yes, it, like that. Like we should be getting news from women. We should be getting hard. Women are going to be the majority of the voters in this election. Well, so why do we not have hard analysis for women? On that note, I wanted to ask: as you know, as mothers, we're very concerned with our our kids' future. I mean, so much. Once I became a mother, it was like things started to matter or things started to scare me that maybe I never really cared about. Like I'm, I've become, I've switched to a very sustainable lifestyle because I just care about trying to preserve the world. And if this is the one little thing I can help with, I'm going to do it. So what are issues and policies that you think we as mothers, we as women, because that's really your, your target audience, should really be considering about a candidate, what position should we be considering about a candidate leading into this, you know, primary election? So I actually just want to clarify on one point. Yes. Even though all of my experts are women, it is not necessarily a podcast for women. It is a podcast for everybody. Got it. Okay. Because I think that the only way that we're going to, cho- that we're going to change the perception of women in power is by hearing women on as experts. Absolutely. So we do talk about the fact in nearly every episode about the fact that women are going to be the majority of voters and women are going to be the deciding voters. But that is something that in, that all audiences should be hearing and evaluating. Okay. I think that part of why we get bad policies that are hard for women, particularly women to stay in the workforce if they want to, is because we still treat women like they are a, a niche constituency. Yep instead of treating women like drivers of the economy, which we are. Yes. And so we need to have more women at the table making the policies. We need to have more women running for office to change what that actually looks like. So we don't have like the token woman running for office. It makes a very big difference. I think one of the most consequential things that happened in the 2018 election cycle, which obviously a lot of consequential things for women running, women you know, being a, a record number of women running for office, elected to the House, even though it's still only about a third. But one of the most consequential things came out of a, a congressional race in Long Island where the candidate actually didn't win in the end. But she sued the Federal Election Commission because you are not allowed. So when you run for office, it's like your whole life. It's not like you have like another job. You don't have like another income. Like right. it's everything. When you're a candidate running for office. And the rules did not allow for childcare costs to come from campaign funds. So you could not Ah. use your camp. So your only source of income could not be used for childcare costs. Wow. Yeah. There was a woman running for office who had young children and needed childcare. And she was like, this is ridiculous. This does not work for me. Wow, I had never even thought. I mean, these no. are the little things that, that need to be brought to light. It's going to make a huge, huge difference. Generally, when we see rum- women running for office, they're running once their kids are older. Yeah. yeah. They've already had one version of their life, and now they're ready to explore another version of their life. But what we're seeing, really, since Trump's election, is that women at every age, in every category, uh, are standing up and running for office. And we need these functional changes to happen to, for the system for women to actually be able to do it. I mean, I feel like even the royal family has that in their budget. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think are some important things that we should be really looking for? Well, the number one issue for every age, demographic, state, and this is this is not just polling, this is also based on like research that I've been doing, is is electability. Like everybody cares who is going to be Donald Trump. And everybody and every candidate is espousing their own version of what electability means, like why they are the most electable. So that we can put all the ducks there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, but the reality is 
that Donald Trump only won by 77,000 votes over three states. Right. That is not very many people. Yeah. So every single candidate is basically right about their theory of why they could win. Right. So it's both the most important thing and also maybe not the most important right. thing. We just don't know. I mean, we're starting to see as trends are starting to emerge now that states are actually voting. But um, but everybody's playing the pundit, right? Like everyone's trying to figure out, like, oh, how is that person going right. to vote? How is that person going to vote? It was so interesting when I spoke with experts in, um, in New Hampshire, because now we're doing episodes in the podcast that are doing deep dives into each of the early voting states so that when we try to guess, what do they, what do they look for? Right. Iowa? We can actually have an idea about it. So New Hampshire is both the second state in the country to vote and came the second closest in the general election. Wow. So it, they so Hillary Clinton only won New Hampshire by 0.04%. It was like Ooh, 200 wow. votes, right? So I was like, all right, you guys are the deciders. Yeah. What are you looking for? And they're like, oh, well, we're trying to figure out what every other state's looking for. It's like, come on! Oh, yeah, yeah that's, can, that's, that doesn't help. Yeah, that's confusing. This doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of something interesting that I read this morning, and it was about the Iowa caucuses. So there was this article that said, quote, the media is erasing a woman running for president, obviously talking about Elizabeth Warren. They gave an example from a tweet by the New York Times that said, despite messy results, the Iowa caucuses scrambled the 2020 campaign with Pete Buttigieg. Did I say that right this time? Buttigieg. 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 Or maybe we're all saying it wrong. Yeah. And Bernie Sanders pulling ahead and Joe Biden trailing in fourth place. How will this outcome affect the dynamics of today's debate stage? So they totally left out Elizabeth Warren, who had a very strong third place in all of this. What's your view on that? Do you think that that's actually the case? It's like woman washing. Right. (laughs) Do you think that like Elizabeth Warren kind of stands a chance? Like what is your view on all of this? And now Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, absolutely. Who came in third in New Hampshire. So I think... I feel a little bit mixed about it. I think that at the beginning, the media was not doing so well. I think they were kind of falling into like old tropes about electability when you talk about women, when in fact we shouldn't even question that. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 3 million votes. Obviously, a woman can be can win at least a popular vote of course. and be elected. So I think that at first they were kind of doing that. I've actually been reasonably pleasantly surprised by it. The thing that strikes me about that comment that you made that I think it's true that they're basically like ignoring Warren and now ignoring Klobuchar to some degree. The thing that I think is always important when to think about the media is that they do not feel a responsibility to be like educating citizens. Like they don't see that as their job, right? Like they're not trying to cover everything equally. What they're trying to do is show something to their editors that their editors have never seen before. And they're trying to show other journalists that they got a scoop that no one else got. It's all sensationalism, kind of, more than anything at this point. Uh, A little bit. But also that writing a narrative of something that you expected is not an interesting story. Right. Writing a narrative of something you didn't expect, well, that's a story. Yeah. Right? So Warren had, she had had a very high peak, I think, in the fall, and then had slowly kind of been declining in polling. And ended up coming out in Iowa about where she had been polling. So there's not a lot. That's not a news story. Right. It's not necessarily a news story. I mean, she came in for it. She should have been discussed. She should have continued to be discussed as a real candidate. Right. Like Elizabeth Warren doing exactly as well as we thought she would is not like <laughs> the most exciting. It's I, feel not like I feel like that's what people say about me. Carrie, doing just about just, as well just as we thought she would. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think it, so I think that she kind of got crowded out by stories that were unexpected. So like Pete had basically, I mean, Buttigieg had basically been polling in like fourth in the last poll that had come out of Iowa. So for him to come out on top, like, right. whoa, story there. You know, Biden sinking, whoa, story there. <laughs> that was so late. And even with Sanders, there was a lot of questions about whether or not he could sustain uh, the amount of votes that he had had in 2016. And there's a lot of questions about his theory just being very different than other candidates. So, and I mean, the Iowa caucus was just such an unbelievable mess. Yes. yes. Like any results are basically erased well, because all anyone knows is that it was a disaster. I was just going to say on that same token, I feel like there's a big concern that no matter what we do, the elections are rigged. The whole system is is just highly flawed. Do you think this is a valid concern? And, or, and if so, how do we remedy this before? John Oliver even did that huge expose on like the voting booths and all kinds of yeah. all kinds of things are coming out. Yeah, I mean, the things that concern me are not necessarily like conspiracy theories out of Iowa. Right. Like we're now down to, I think, only three states in the country that have caucuses at all because they are terrible. <laughs> um, and they've actually now ditched the software, although I think there was a, a, a bigger user problem than just the software. I mean, the things that concern me are like structural voter suppression. Like the yeah. fact that, you know, I, I wish I had the stats, but like a zillion, support me here, Mom Taraj. Like <laughs> it's a quadzillion. I believe the term is quadzillion. I think that's an actual number. Yeah, a quadzillion yes. amount of states have continued to limit people's um, ability to have access to the ballot, cutting down early voting, which helps people who, you know, maybe working on election day may not be able to get there, um, can actually vote. Like those are the things that I think are structurally so problematic. Those kinds of things do concern me a lot. And I think there's also the reality of the fact that we know that there is foreign interference. Yep. Um, yep. We, we know that for a fact, whether or not the president accepts it or not. Or um, some of the citizens of our country. Yeah. Or some of the citizens yeah. of our country. But facts show us that right, that is right. the case. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they basically zeroed out the um, election security budget uh, for states to be able to enhance their security after the 2016 election. The federal government did because that was, was Trump's crazy. budget. Crazy. So it's not getting more safe. Like those things concern me. Yeah. Um, whether or not every state looks like Iowa is not really concerned me because that is a total disaster and it's over. <laughs> so I think that we're like kind of putting a little bit of the, the emphasis, I think in the wrong place, like in this media moment, particularly because I do have real concerns that Trump will be defeated and will not step down. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you, you think pants. there's actual like that is an actual possibility? I do. That I is do. so crazy. Could pants. you speak to that? Because I feel like this is one of those things that I talk to certain people about, and they just kind of say like, "Oh, that's just that's just the the left media telling you those things." Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, that he has really broken all norms and institutions, like things that we used to take for granted that budgets, like his budget proposal would be transmitted from the White House to Congress yeah. for them to take up. You know, I mean, like really sort of like functional things. I mean, the fact like that- the basics, the presidential basics, yeah. Exactly. Really don't exist anymore. I mean- He's like two terms, blah. Let's go for 32 <laughs> terms or- Exactly. Yeah. He's like, do you know I have a daughter? Like, right. Like we're going to hear. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they they basically just pushed out all of the career people at the Department of Justice who were overseeing cases prosecuting his friends and have now put political people in instead and are giving absolutely no reasoning, public reasoning for <sighs> it. They don't feel like they need to. Yeah. So 
the, 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 the real basics are gone. Yeah. So the basic norms are gone. And I do worry about it. I mean, I, from all indications, it seems like he's very self-motivated um, and pretty narcissistic. Even his mother said God hopes that he never runs for president. There was that quote that his own mother said. Like, I find myself on the daily feeling super guilty about having constantly. a child. Constantly. Like, I have this discussion all the time. Like, one of the reasons why I waited so long, I was 40 when I had my first, was because I had real anxiety about bringing a child into this world that we live in with the climate problem, with the political climate, the whole nine. And, you know, I just decided to do it anyway. <laughs> I decided to just ignore the fears that I'd had before and just be like, let's just have But so many kid. of us did. I know. So, you know. But I still to this day sometimes, you know, wake up in kind of an anxiety sweat at 3 a.m. being like, why? Why did I do it? Like, I, I feel so disheartened and, and negative questioning, like, why I even did this? How do you stay positive how do you stay positive and not get disheartened? Because when I get disheartened, I just sit on my couch and watch reruns on Netflix. Lots I, of Real Housewives. And I just, and yeah. that's oh, not, that's yeah. not the right, that's not what's going to change the world. That's not what's going to do it. How do you stay positive as being a specialist in politics and having children? I mean, Real Housewives, yes. Yes. <laughs> which is your favorite? Which is, yeah, which, I was going to ask, what, what's your flavor of choice? Oh, guys, I'm so glad that Shaw's a sunset is back, to be honest. I, I've been like, looking forward to this for maternity leave. Like, you can't even believe wow, it. You yes. might be the only person I know who has ever said that. But anyway, I'm very, I might give it a you, try now. You just of that. endeared us. You endeared yourself to us so much yes, with that. Thank yes. you. Yes. You are definitely a member of the mom tribe. You came down to our level sure. for a second there. <laughs> Can I tell you that actually, when I met my, my husband and I were set up on a blind date in Washington, and I felt like there was always this like, Kind of, I don't know, this is like attitude in Washington. Like everyone's so smart and everyone's so intellectual. Like no one will admit to watching reality TV in any way. Oh, pish. And totally. And my husband's this like super intellectual. And I like, I was like, you know, I was really liking him. And then I was like, oh God, he's going to think I'm such a flake. And then he just makes this totally offhand reference to Jersey Shore. Yes. And he just threw it in the middle of a context. And I was like, I love him. him. (laughs) You're like, it's on. It's on. It is on. We're going to fist bump our way down the aisle. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But really, I mean, you know, when I think about like, you know, where do I find inspiration to keep doing it? I mean, one is that sometimes I do just really detach a little bit and like just be present with my kids. And I think that really helps recharge a little bit. But, you know, more broadly, like how do I stay in it is that I'm so unbelievably inspired by the people, particularly the women who were really willing to change their lives after the election in 2016 and say, this just isn't working for me. And and I want more control of my future. I mean, all I ever did with campaigns was try to get people to care a little bit. Yeah. Like if they just cared a little bit, it would really surprise you by how much contact you need to have with a senator or a member of Congress for them to actually take notice on the thing that you care about because they get so few contacts. So like if anybody reaches out to them, like it really makes a difference. Oh, so if any, oh, I took that as the opposite. Oh, well, that's a really positive thing to know and very encouraging. Oh yeah. Those are some real functional things that you can do. Like if you are subscribed to a list that asks for action alerts of like making calls to Congress, writing letters to Congress, they do, they really make a very big difference. I always thought that was okay. Like I'll do it. I'll do what I can, but like, this isn't going to make a difference. No, they really, the petitions don't really do anything. Okay. So it's, you actually have to call, call. you actually have to write a letter, you know, you have to like 
take the extra initiative. Exactly. So the harder the action is to do, the more of an impact it has. So if you send like a form letter, they'll like tally them up, but like not, I mean, they're like, they're okay. But like a call or like get some moms over some like for some postcard writing. Big deal. Yeah. Very big deal. Yeah. The physical letter writing, I will tell you, want to leave yourself about a three week turnaround. So like if something is is coming up for a vote immediately, because they all get sent out to an offsite facility to process them for anthrax screening. Yeah. Okay. And I know that people are pretty intimidated by making a call if you've never done it. Um, I am for one. Totally. So just remember the person on the other end is a 19 year old intern who is going to thank you and write down what you said. Great. That's great to know. We should have a meetup. We should have a mommy yeah. meetup that where we do some of these things. It would make me feel better like I'm actually... That's a great idea. Yeah. Totally. They're really easy and they can be fun if you do like a meetup. Especially if there's wine. Yeah. And okay. we'll, we'll put Bravo on in the background. Yeah, we're inviting you. Yeah. We thought you were going to be too busy, but please join Hell us. No. We will actually reach out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so on that note about the women who have inspired you, I obviously have listened to a number of episodes of the podcast. I'm totally hooked on it. And there was this one quote from Nancy Pelosi that I just laughed out loud. I thought it was amazing. And it was, I would never diminish the dignity of children by comparing them to Trump. I thought that was so great and so amazing. I don't even have a question. What to was the context around that? I, it's something along those like lines. Like that he's a child. Like right. he's acting like, like a child. He, he or acts like like a child. And she said, I would never <laughs> diminish the dignity of children by comparing them to Trump, which was like, amen, sister. Exactly. So I guess my question on that is, what's it like? I mean, this is not anything new to you. You you work in politics. You deal with these badass women all the time. And you are one of these badass women. But what is it like to actually have FaceTime with women like Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton? Oh, I mean, it's so exciting. Like, yeah. I, try to, <laughs> I try to keep my cool. I say that I love the podcast because it, it helps people, but like really secretly, I love the podcast because I actually get to ask all of my of course. questions I've always wanted to ask Yes. Them. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that is 100% it. Like, I think it's that I put a lot of work into the prep before I go in, you know, just researching like, you know, what they've said, what what kind of interviews they've been doing, how they talk about issues, um, just to make sure that I'm asking the question in a way that elicits an interesting answer. And I think all the prep work actually helps me because it gives me something to like go into yep. once, I'm, once I'm actually in the moment. I mean, when Hillary Clinton walked in the door, I thought I was going to go into labor. Right was now. that like, the first I, time you met her? I had met her, but like she would not, I mean, we're not like Right, 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 right. I got it. I love that. I follow. I love that image, though. Yeah. (laughs) Just going for hikes in Katona. (laughs) Exactly. One of my friends texted me after, and she was like, so is Hills coming to the next brunch? (laughs) (laughs) Interview sounds like your girls. I was like, great. I'm glad that came across. (laughs) Have you been having contractions this whole time? This this conversation is so exciting. I am contracting away. (laughs) Perfect. Emily, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for joining our mom Taraj. And and honestly, best of luck with labor today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I've been able to say that to anyone. I've never said that before. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's a lot of fun. You will now forever be part of my baby narrative. Oh, Yay. That's so exciting. If you need a babysitter, call us or me. Ashley Mostly doesn't really Carrie. like to watch yeah. other people's kids, but yeah. I used to do that for a living. So feel free to call me. <laughs> and then we'll invite you to our meetup where we'll have copious amounts of wine and we'll do some social action. Yeah, 
maybe we can do a little um, cross thing with you and like Moms Demand Action or something. Yeah. Love that. Yes. yes. I'm so in. All right. Well, have an amazing <laughs> first story. Best of luck. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, Ash, were you worried about your skincare routine when you were pregnant? I mean, I'm always worried about my skincare routine. <laughs> Why? True. Well, after I got pregnant, I started to get really worried about what I was putting on my face. I was worried about what I was putting in my body. And then I was like, well, my face, that's a part of it. And I've always looked for the best products. Whatever anyone was going to tell me was going to make me look younger, I got it. But I didn't really look at what was in them until I had a person living inside me. Oh, how do we look young while protecting our young? Right. But what really woke me up to this idea that I need more organic things both on my body and in my body is this idea that just because the baby is out of me doesn't mean I have to stop and go back to putting all those chemicals on my face. And you're the more hippie one of us, but I'm, I'm totally on board with you for this. My cousin got me hooked on Epicurean Discovery, or just Epicurean as they call it. It's a clean line out of Southern California with a lot of vegan and gluten-free offerings and has this big celebrity cult following. It's been around 30 years plus, and frankly, so have I, so obviously I need all the products. <laughs> Alicia Keys, Mandy Moore, Lisa Renna, Selma Hayek, those are just some of the names I'm name dropping that are part of the mom tourage of that celebrity cult following. Uh, can I hang out with that crowd? I actually didn't realize that gluten could be an issue in face and body products, but it does make sense now that you said it. So go to www.epicurin.com to purchase or become a retailer if you think you need a great big haul of all the damn products. Me. Me. Hashtag swag bag. All right, so these are obsessions, the things we can't live without this week, and would be in our actual swag bags. I'm going to go first. Okay. Um, so I started doing gua sha. I have the thing, and I've only done it a couple times. I need to be better about it. I am so obsessed with it. Uh, it basically, feels so good. Yeah, I want to go like have like a, a someone do it. I've to had my face. it done to my face. Yeah, gua sha. For those who don't know, it's basically this like paddle. Usually, it's made out of jade or rose, rose quartz, quartz or mm-hmm. something. And it's sometimes like this, they have stone ones. Yeah, and it's a paddle that has these different little like grooves, grooves, indents, whatever. Sometimes they have combs to them, and it's different ways to like massage your face. And there's actual real benefit to it, like a drains your lymph nodes, so reduces puffiness. It actually helps reduce fine lines and wrinkles. Circulation. Everything. Collagen. Influencer named Britta Beauty who does facials, and she's like, I feel like she's kind of single-handedly responsible for gua sha, but I go and I watch her videos, and I like do it to my face every night. I need to be better about doing it, because I, I do notice a difference when I do it. I love it. I've just been so tired. I've really been a little lax on my nighttime skincare routine because I've been so tired. My day one is still on point, but my nighttime has been a little bit less. So you know what I've been doing that helps is I just do it while I'm watching TV at night. You just need a little bit of slippery-ness to your face. Wildling Beauty makes one that I really want, but it's $78. Wilding Beauty, send us (laughs) some of your face Yeah, if you want to send me your Empress oil, I'll take it. $78. Yeah, Yeah, must be some good-ass oil. I don't know. Anyway, what's yours? Okay, so my hashtag swag bag this week is the Melissa and Doug Serve and Brew Kids Keurig. So my sister got this for me, which is so apropos, because my sister is obsessed with coffee. Like, I love coffee, but my sister is obsessed with everything coffee. She has a coffee station in her house. She loves coffee. So she got... 
Luna, this adorable, it's like a wooden Keurig with little pods and little wooden coffee cups. And Luna is obsessed. It's the cutest thing in the morning when Lee and I are having our coffee. She brings the coffee cup over and she cheers us, stirs it. It's like the freaking cutest thing. And it brings me so much joy to just see my kid with like little tiny adult versions of things. She plays for hours. It's the freaking cutest. And the winner of our very first Momtourage giveaway of a Kibu bag, the minimalist diaper bag, fanny pack, and a Lady Sweet Beauty giveaway is Maj519, M-A-J-519 on her Instagram. She's just listed as Maja. So congratulations. You get our very first Momtourage giveaway. Welcome to our Momtourage. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you, and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com.